Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm James Courtney. Tony Delberto. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Todd Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now, here's your host, Craig Revell. Villeneuve is back for Queensland Raceway. Kelly's confirm a Bathurst wildcard, and we find out what Stephen Johnson's doing when he's not at the track. You know, my job isn't finished when I get out of the car. It's, uh... That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Here's the news brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Jacques Villeneuve will be returning to the Pepsi Max Commodore for the next two rounds of the championship. The 1997 Formula One world champion is now locked in for Queensland Raceway and Sydney Motorsport Park at Eastern Creek. The Pepsi Max crew saying that there will be a designated new livery for the car when it hits the track at QR. Kelly Racing has confirmed that they will return with a second season of the popular Showdown program, which will see another young driver get their chance to team up with Grant Denyer to drive in the Bathurst 1000. The show this year will be scheduled for Monday evenings, 6.30pm on 7 Mate. Audi and Mercedes has this week again reconfirmed that they will not be joining the V8 Supercar Series. Many wonder why the European brands are constantly in the spotlight, but with both running DTM programs, many believe they'd be a good fit for the new Car of the Future specifications. But sales of their various makes do not make entering the series at this time financially viable. New Zealand is embroiled in a V8 supercar debate, and Tony Cochran has not been afraid to throw his thoughts into the discussion. The Auckland City Council, in particular Mayor Len Brown, has undergone criticism that they did not share information that led to the decision that they would support V8 supercars, promoting and underwriting the Pukekohe event over the supporting of the Hampton Down circuit. Tony Cochran has said that more work needs to be done on Hampton Downs before the facility would be suitable for the V8 supercar series, and also their resource consent needs to be increased to allow a big enough crowd to come along to watch the cars on the track. Pukekohe will be retaining Hamilton's April date from next year. In the latest edition of VADX magazine, you can look at the drivers that are coming close to the end of their careers and who will be their likely replacements. And finally, Stephen Johnson on the White Flag Lap talks about his role in getting Dick Johnson Racing back to the front of the grid. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. For Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products, check out the entire range at www.nobrac.com.au. 
After the break, Andrew Clark and Jacob Black join me on the V8 Insiders. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week from VX Magazine, it's Andrew Clark. Good evening, Andrew. G'day, Craig. How are things, Craig? I am going great guns, thanks, mate. And, uh, Good to hear. It's a pity your blues aren't. I know. Well, I'm going to see your Hawks versus the uh, Pies this weekend. Oh, yeah. And any time Collingwood gets beaten is a good weekend in my book. You can come and sit with me then. Uh, well, if you've got members' tickets, I'll be up for it. <laughs> I'm an MCC members, yeah. Yes, well, if you can get Excellent. me and the princess in, I will uh, be yep. more than happy to swap my GA on the uh, nosebleed section. Yeah, well, we can deal with that, but uh, <laughs> we're not here to talk footy. No, we're not, because Jacob Black's on the line and he goes for West Coast, which is a whole other set of problems. Oh, I do. Absolutely, do not go for West Coast. Thank you, everyone. I'm from Fremantle, thank you. Okay, sorry, I thought you had all your own teeth. My mistake. Guys. It might not be be teeth that's the worry. I've got no track marks in the arms. That's how you can tell I'm not a West Coast Eagles supporter. Okay. (laughs) Guys, we are here to talk about motor racing, even though it's gone off on a completely different tangent. And, uh, well... We'll start with the sponsorship woes of V8 Supercars. And Jacob Black right. works, of course, for Speed TV for another week. And, uh, Jacob, I guess we'll start with you because V8 Supercars seems to have a sponsorship problem. Already this year, there's a number of cars without full-time sponsors on board. And uh, with Trading Post pulling out the future of uh, some of the other media rights deals which involve companion sponsorship, you have to wonder, are all the teams going to be able to be funded with sponsorship now, particularly in the light of their biggest sponsor, V8 Supercars, is not their biggest sponsor anymore because they sold most of the business. Well, yeah, it's looking a little bit dire, and V8 Supercars has got some, some sponsorship issues as well. Um, you know, we don't know exactly what's going to happen next year with their digital partnerships and, and everything else, so we don't know quite how that's going to roll over in the next few years. It's... um. It doesn't look exciting, and I think that I, I get the feeling, and this is very much, um, you know, this is really a bit of a shot in the dark, but I get the feeling that they've taken the foot off the pedal a little bit in the last couple of years, and, um, and I think some of the arrangements that have been made with different commercial partners have been so much at the expense of other likely commercial partners that they've, that they've probably pushed some people away, and now, now they're finding it hard to attract those people back. Andrew, they've used the NASCAR model, haven't they? Because you talk about commercial partnerships. Um, My my argument is 
giving away the exclusive internet rights in a sense of V8 supercars to Big Pond. And I know it was, there was cash involved in the thing, but there's an awful lot of people who will create that content for nothing and they'll do an awful lot better job than what we're seeing on the V8 supercars website. So you can take a bit of cash, but what do you do to that yeah, in terms of the damage to your sport in the long run? And, and I think V8 supercars needs to sit back now and say, you know, is that money worth it or is it not worth it? You know, are we growing our sport or are we just putting some cash in the bank? And I think more often than not, you know, you, you're doing things that other people can do better. So why give it away? Why block it away? Why make it hard for people to get involved and to promote and to grow your industry? And the thing is that, like, the amount of money that's involved in that is nothing to the teams compared to what they get from having good sponsors. So I reckon if you do anything that cuts the coverage of the sport, then that's a very silly move on your part as, as an owner of a sport. It has been one of the long-running problems that V8 Supercar have faced with the narrowness of their delivery. They talk about being the third largest uh, sport in the country. Whether that's, which we know is crap. Well, which, whether that's right or wrong, it's a case of we have seen Vodafone now come and at the end of this year leave. Trading Post, a partner company of Big Pond or under the Telstra banner, come and gone. You have to wonder, why aren't there people lining up like the promises that were offered over the last 10 years were for those home brands to be out there and jumping on board cars? And I think that's one of the things is to look at it and say, you know, if you get involved in a sport as a sponsor, like say, let's take Vodafone, for instance, um, that you've got a lifespan to it. It's not going to be something that goes forever. You're not like, you know, Castrol or Holden or or Ford or something that needs a presence in the sport because Vodafone, let's face it, doesn't need it. And if you want to sit back and have a look at it, there's a lot of sponsorship surveys done. And one of the most interesting ones is where they measure the um, the brand recognition via sport of brands. And Vodafone's down at about 1% on the last survey that I saw. So 1% of people inside Australia asked can recognise and, and explain to you what Vodafone's involvement in any sport is whether it's a V8 supercar, the Australian cricket team or whatever. So the money that they were spending, they weren't getting a particularly good return on. Um, and that's the main reason why they pulled out. It's not this, you know, we're going to invest in our network. Like, if you reckon that, you know, the five million bucks you're putting into Team Vodafone and the you know, five or ten that you're putting into Australian cricket's going to fix Vodafone's network, um, then you're taking better drugs than I am. Mm. Um, and, and that's the issue. It's look at it and say, you know... The, what do they get out of it? And it, it is a short-term deal. Like, let's say you go into it for five years um, and you're in and out, gone. I've got what I want. I'm moving on to another thing. I might go and sponsor another sport or I might go and sponsor some arts or whatever. But the big issue is who's sitting there waiting? Like, who is going to replace Vodafone? Who's going to replace Trading Post? What's going to happen if Jim Beam bails out? Like, you could see an awful lot of cars on the grid next year in what is probably going to be the single most expensive season of car racing that a V8 supercar team has ever seen. You know, anybody who thinks car of the future is going to be a cheap transition is kidding themselves. So we're talking dire straits for an awful lot of teams. And there's, yeah, I reckon you're going to see backs to the wall. I reckon, this is my gut feel now, you'll see some team ownership changes pretty soon. Um, because some of the guys who are there, the dead set motor racers that we have, you know, your, your Jones brothers, your Stone brothers, all those kind of guys who are there to go motor racing, can they keep going? Can they keep on battling this thing to keep their cars on the track? And, you know, I think they'll, you know, they'll be losing interest a little bit. Mm. Jacob, 
you look at this at a wider perspective because you see what's going on in world motorsport through your uh, involvement. And whilst we heard about the battle of the energy drinks, it really hasn't translated into race cars covered with energy drink sponsorship. We saw Mother put their toe in the water. Monster have got a, a development series gig, but only a part-time gig. Where is this next wave? We went from cigarettes to the hard liquors. What's the next wave? Uh, I, honestly... The, the next wave, like, there's not going to be any one big group of, any one big block of companies that are coming in and sponsoring motorsport uh, over the next little time. Now, the thing is that Red Bull's come in, made a massive investment in all sorts of extreme sports and action sports and motorsports and worked a really big reward. Some other people have tried to jump on the back of that and do a similar thing, and your monsters and your mothers did, you know, have all had a crack at it. And, a, and Monster especially is doing, is doing quite well out of it. But Monster's not going to be around in, in the sport putting that money in for the same reason that Vodafone's not going to be around for uh, after next year. Like Andrew said, it's just a flash in the pan thing. It's a jump in, get your brand, boost your brand recognition when you need to, and jump out when you need to not spend that when you don't need to spend that money anymore. I think that um, you know it's really going to be more about um, it's going to be a more diverse portfolio of smaller sponsors is going to come back into the game. So we're going to stop. So this trend where we've had single sponsor teams where it's one car very heavily livered in one sponsor, I think that that's going to disappear a little bit and we're going to go back to seeing a lot more different sponsors. You know, like we're not going to set, no one's going to be selling full cars anymore. They're going to be selling left rear quarter panels and, and front right quarter panels and bonnets and roofs and, and boot lids. Um, and so in terms of the money that's got around, um, the, you know, the people that are making big money in Australia at the moment and have money to fart ass around with are mining companies, and mining companies have no need to be sponsoring motorsport because they don't need the fan engagement, they don't need the brand recognition from that angle. So, um, you know, the mining boom money is not going to filter down through motorsport in Australia. Mm. And of course, Everything else is on its knees, so. <laughs> of course, one of the classic in and outs is Pepsi. It had some involvement with Ingle and it had, uh, was it the McDougal car for a while there? McDougal, McDougal. And uh, then it disappeared. Now it's back with Kelly Racing uh, through Pepsi Max and uh, it, they'll be there for the life of what they need to do and then they're gone again. Well, it, the other thing with a lot of remains to be seen because... You don't know whether or not Pepsi is getting what they need out of it. And certainly, you know, the fact that they're doing things like picking up um, a guy like Jacques Villeneuve um, and, and that they've made that happen and really fast-tracked that shows that Pepsi's, Pepsi's making a big drive to actually recoup the money that they're putting in. And I don't think they feel like they're doing it at the moment. Mm. It's... But the thing with a lot of those deals is that they're, they're related deals. You know, like what's the deal being cut between Jack Daniels and Pepsi perhaps? You know, like there's a whole lot of ancillary deals in there that you see popping up all around the place. You know, whether it was the old days of the, uh, you know, the Morris BWS cars and the, um, you know, the subsidiary sponsors that popped up along the line and things. So, you know, if you've got one big sponsor, you know, often they'll bring in a lot of secondary sponsors that uh, that keep the thing ticking over. But the you know, problem is this. You know, the question is, you know, 
what do they get out of it at the end of the day? You know, you popped up the figures before. You know, we're told it's the biggest sport in the country. Yeah, right. Go and pick up the back of the Herald Sun and have a look and tell me how many pages you have to go before you get to V8 Supercars. Because I'll tell you now, there was nothing on V8 Supercars in the paper today. Yet there was two netball stories and a female basketball story and a couple of other things, but no V8 Supercars. Mm. They need to work on a way. Like, V8 Supercars need to finally sit down and bite the bullet and say, we actually have to get media coverage for this thing and we have to change our attitude or our approach, you know. We've spent a truckload of money over the past 10, 15 years flying six journos, you know, representing six newspapers to these places and whining and dining them and we get nothing out of it. Have we spent our money wisely? And the problem with V8 Supercars is that it sits there and it tells you how great it is, how big this sport is and all of these things. And, you know, I love the sport. I reckon V8 Supercar racing is a great class of racing and I reckon it's succeeded not because of what's been done but because of what it is and the people involved in the teams and the driver's seats. Mm. Well, there's plenty more about the team and the driver's seats coming up after the break on the V8 Insiders. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining me, Craig Ravel, is Andrew Clark and Jacob Black, the man who's going to be leaving us for a while. And, uh, well, we're glad we could have him on the show before he jets off to Toronto in Canada. And, Jacob... Thanks, bro. It, you checked in the mail there. And uh, one of the things, Jacob, is you've been pushing a hard line on Jacques Villeneuve. Is your prediction going to be right? And I guess you should tell us what that prediction... Well, tell the listener what that prediction is. Well, I think for a variety of reasons, and not the least of them being that we need a, a high-profile name in the sport to, to help boost the coverage. I've, I called it about six weeks ago, I said it's about a 40% chance of being in a full-time drive next year. Uh, since then, I've bumped it up to a 45% chance, and on Vowed Insiders, I'll go to 48%. I reckon, I reckon there's a, you could, you'd be at it. $2.10, I reckon, for Jacques Villeneuve getting in a car next year, full-time. Well, we know Paul, Paul Morris um, almost had a deal with him a couple of years ago to get him into one of his in his cars, so we know that uh, you know that Jacques would do it if uh, if the right deal comes across the line. And I think it'd be great. Like One of the things that, that is great about car racing is you get characters. You know, <clears throat> you get people you love to hate, your black hats, your white hats, you know. You had Brock and Moffat, you had Brock and Johnson, you had Seaton and whoever, Seaton and Scaife, you know, like we always had these these battling personalities and they came to the fore, although I said Glenn Seaton, I probably should leave it out in this particular discussion, <laughs> but, you know, we, we had these vibrant, these volatile people, we had, you know, on-track stouches that rolled off into the, into the media centre, in, into the media conference and all of these kind of things. Today, we sit in a media conference and you might as well be eating vanilla ice cream, it's so bland. You know, aside from Dave Reynolds, you know, everything I hear coming out of their mouth sounds like it's written by one of their PR people. 
Um, so we need guys like Jacques Villeneuve and Dave Reynolds and, you know, these young guys with a good personality who haven't yet been sterilised by some sort of corporate PR machine to get in there and be successful. Mm-hmm. Jacques Villeneuve, be great breath of fresh air and it's exactly the sort of thing the series needs. And if you have any doubts, that was one of the few stories you could read in the Herald Sun. <laughs> hey, it, that's it, right. And, but, Andrew, you just mentioned, you know, about the media conferences and... And I've, um, you know, because I've, I've had to focus on, on covering different things and haven't been able to get to as many V8 events this year, I've really missed press conferences. And I tell you, it is so hard to find anything about them, to find a video of them, to find a stream of them, to find anything. The website's difficult to navigate, everything else. Um, you know, that's, that's the number one thing that V8 Supercars needs to do immediately to re-engage fans and get them connected to the personalities in the sport is get those media, those media conferences more accessible and more, more eyes on them, get them out there because at the moment there's just not enough. And things like in-car radio during the racing, um, you know, live streaming it somewhere on the internet, doing all of that sort of thing so that we can get people actually engaged with the characters behind the wheel. Yeah, it is. But see, the problem is when they do their internet deal, they're only interested in how much money goes in their pocket, not what they get out of it. And yeah, you know, honestly, they'd be better off taking not a cent for the internet rights and giving it to somebody who actually wants to do a really good job at it. And I say, you know, I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, like little negative Harry sitting over here, but uh, the website's crap. <laughs> you know, it does a bad job and it doesn't achieve what it needs to achieve. So, is it worth it? I guess I disagree with Jacob. I don't think the press conference should be on the on the website, and the reason I don't think the uh, press conference should be on the website is the journo's won't ask any questions in a press conference because it's going on the website, and it means that they can't get it into their publications, which is where they want it. And well, perhaps that's because the journo's should get off their bums and go down into pit lane and do a real job instead of sitting around waiting to be fed by people. Yeah. You know? The problem is, you know, we, we've got a whole, we've created this this whole thing of, you know, these six journos or whatever, and everybody sits there in the nice media truck and all of these things. We're not encouraging what we need to encourage in this sport. We're not, we, we don't have volatility. We don't have, you know, like Greg Murphy and Marcus Ambrose a few years ago in Indy, like that was a sensational press conference. You know, we've had little stouches here and there and all of those kind of things. But if it didn't appear in a press conference, most of the journos wouldn't even know it went on. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I'm one of those people. I mean, I don't get to the races as much as I used to, again, because there's not enough money in it as a working journalist to actually do it. Um, but when I go down into pit lane and go chasing my stories, I don't see many others down there. Mm. Um, they're just sitting there waiting to be fed. And, you know, I put the press conference on, the, on live to air and make those journos actually go out and get their own quotes. It's interesting to have uh, this discussion because there is a number of drivers, as you've written in the latest V8X magazine, that have got a bit of colour, a bit of personality that are at the end of their run, one being Greg Murphy, of course, and the other one that gets a little bit forgotten is Russell Ingle. Russell is always great at a press conference. And how sad will it be when when we don't see people like that in the racing seat anymore? And, yeah, like, I like both of them. I reckon they're great blokes. You know, they're great to to have a drink with. They're great to have a chat to. You know, they're seriously good, fun blokes. And the best part about them is that if they've had a bad day, 
big, you know, about it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I'm one of the first. If I see one of them have a bad day, what do I do? I'll run down there because I want the quote when they get out of the car, when they're still fired up. Um, and I think, yeah, if we lose, well, sorry, not if, because we will lose them. Um, it's just a matter of when in the next one, two or three years. And I reckon uh, we'll lose one next year and then one the year after. Mm. Um, it's it's going to be sad. Um mm because we're not replacing them with anything. I mean, you know, Nick Perkett replaces Russell Ingall. I mean, how good would that be? Let's go to sleep, guys. Mm. Jacob, <laughs> it, it, it is funny because I'm one of those ones that have been thrown out of Russell Ingall's pit when he's uh, been pissed off at me because I've turned up when he's jumped out of the car and then had Paul yep. Morris to tell me, get back there and get the qu- <laughs> tell him I told you he has to talk to you. And uh, yeah, th- yeah, those sort of funny... I think dis- we've all had that experience with Russell and it's... And it's one of the great things about having a great character in the sport. And, it, and as a journalist, it's really rewarding to be one of the people that, that pushes through and gets that quote. How much fun is it when you get those quotes? And how much eyes do you get on those stories when you get those quotes? And, um, you know, one of the big things at the moment that's really boiling up in pit lane is that you've got one of the young guns that's coming through who's a fan favourite, absolute fan favourite, and who a lot of the other drivers don't seem to have much time for and are, and are pretty quick with a, with a jab or a snide remark about And we're not pushing it. You know, they had supercars and pushing it. It's all fairy floss and rainbows down there. Well, actually, there's a bloke in there that a lot of the other young guns and established blokes and middle-pack drivers really aren't happy about on track. And, um, and it would be a massive boon for the sport if we could start, you know, let's set up... Uh, Shane Van Gisbergen versus David Reynolds sort of deal. I mean, David Reynolds has never said a bad word about anyone in his life that I've heard. So, I don't, you know, I don't know. But what a funny bloke. Funny. What a it, the personality that bloke has. It comes out in spades. Mm. You know, you only had to even watch his um, poll-winning discussion with Peretz the other day. You know, even there, he's good. <clears throat> and then you go and yep. watch, you know, Jamie Wincup, who... You know, he's probably the most talented driver of the generation in so many ways. But when did we last hear something interesting? And I know we oh, hear from him an awful lot more. I think you're because, being I think you're being harsh there. Now, he has right? got pretty good. In the last two years, maybe yeah, probably last two years, he has really, really understood and and lightened up in those press conferences. So I think Jamie is. Oh, no really, doubt at all. Yeah. He has. With, uh, you know, I'm not. But he's not as natural. He's not as natural as, as as David Reynolds, of course. No, he's a very intense. Like Jamie is an incredibly tense, intense person, mm. and that's what drives him, and that's how he succeeds. And it's the same when you when you look at it, you know. And obviously, when I did Mark Scape's book, <clears throat> you know, and I've spoken to Craig Lowndes as well quite a lot of, uh, over time. But you go in there and you talk to these guys about how they succeed and how they achieve. Some guys need to bury themselves in what they're doing. You know, Wincup's one of those. Scape's mm. one of those. Craig Lowndes thinks in a different way. So, you know, he's happy to go out and sign autographs because in the back of his brain, it's always ticking over and that's how he comes up with his solutions. So, you got, you know, you've got to allow for these different things. But, you know, I just fear that guys like Jamie Wincup have been a bit too frightened to come out and, and really express themselves at times. Um, <clears throat> and, and, you know, that's to me, is a bit of a worry. It'd be nice for them to, to feel like they can and, and that... You know, some PR blokes not going to come down on them. And, you know, our V8 supercar drivers, as sports people, are great role models. You know, we don't hear about them having, you know, scandals in pubs with, 
you know, bashing people or doing all of these things that the AFL footballers do. We don't hear about sex scandals. Like, we don't hear about all of this stuff. Um, and some people say, oh, yeah, but it's going on. We just don't hear about it. Well, you know, I've worked in the sport for 25 years. And I know a few things, but there's not a lot going on in terms of how bad people are. Mm. So these guys are great role models. Why can't the PR guys have a bit of trust and faith in them that they're not dummies? You know, you don't race cars if you're not intelligent. It's a thinking sport. Um, So, you know, they just need to sit back and and let these guys do it a little bit more and let them, you know, let them have their their personality come to the fore because that's what will grow the sport. Mm -hmm. I know. uh, But that's an issue right at the centre of the culture of that supercars is this thing where we don't let the drivers be adults and be professional race car drivers, where we do things like tell them that they they can't jump the the curb in the chicane at, at Adelaide. You know, we're not putting it in their hands. Mm-hmm. In the old days, and not not that long ago, like five years ago, if you want to jump the curb at the chicane at Adelaide, you do it, and you know that if you do it once, twice, three times, and you land wrong on the fourth, you break your suspension, you're out of the race. It's your risk, it's your reward, it's it's what you want to do with the car, and it's, it's up to you. These days, we've got a timing loop and everything else. We're sanitising every single sec- sector of our sport and it's to its great detriment. Mm. And it takes away some of the great imagery that we saw. Um, you know, I mean, how many times in the play-on have we seen that shot of, you know, the super cheap auto falcon and the, and the gelled wind falcon going over that chicane with, the, with part of the front grill flapping in the wind and the thing's four wheels off the deck, and we can't show that anymore because it doesn't happen. Mm. Yeah, but it's like the AFL and fights, you know, that's what people go, like a fight happens on the field, the crowd goes to its feet and the roar goes up, you know, but the AFL says, oh, no, we don't want to do that. And then, you know, what happens next week? Channel 7 will use that in their highlights reel. We love, sports fans love controversy. They love the feeling that someone's pushed too far, someone's done X, Y, Z, you know. <clears throat> the journos in, this, in the big sports, you know, they're, they're out there hunting all of these little things. They're hunting for, you know, oh, this bloke said this about him and he did this and he did that and that's what keeps it all going. We haven't allowed that to happen. And as I said before, you know, like, you can't make enough money out of journalism in V8 supercar racing um, because there's not enough stories at the moment. Mm. Um, there's not enough people buying the stories. And I really want them to sit back and say, okay... Archer Capital now owns a controlling interest in the sport. What are they going to do to grow the sport? Mm. Do they have any real plans or are they just going to sit back there and wait until Julia Gillard gets booted out of government next year and then float it on the stock market? Is that their plan? Because that's what I think. Yeah, it certainly feels like that's what it is. Mm. Well, we might not have enough stories to get you uh, full-time back in the uh, V8 supercar pit lane, Andrew, but we've had... Plenty of stories here today. Great to have you back on the show. And, of course, you can read all about uh, some of your thoughts on the twilight years of many of the drivers, including Murph, Bright, Stephen Johnson, Russell Ingall, and, of course, Steve Owen, who's seen as a young gun, but he's really got age against him. Tanda and Lowndes, all in the latest edition of VADX magazine. And to you, Jacob, also, uh, well, we wish you all the very best for uh, your trip overseas and uh, certainly look forward to reading some of your stuff as it comes from over there in North America. Thanks very much, Craig. I've already got, I've already got little tears rolling down my cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> the white flag lap is up next here on the V8 Insiders with Stephen Johnson. I hope you stay with us. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars.
showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. This week on the White Flag Lab, Peter Norton caught up with Stephen Johnson following the Townsville weekend where it looked like the team was being buoyed by some morph speed. Yeah, it is. You know, it's good. Uh, it's a bit disappointing today that we didn't uh, have any of our cars in the 10, but it's just sort of the way the race panned out. And Okay. And, uh, um, yeah, really it was... Uh, you know, it's just good to, you know, it was good to get in the top 10 shootout. We didn't qualify as well today. Just CVM had a great qualifying fourth today, but, you know, I made a, a few mistakes on my one run and um, off was where I was and Dean Fury made a few mistakes as well. So, but all in all, sure, it's uh, it's promising that we're, um, you know, a bit close to the front and going to our home track next. So, uh, you know, we're looking forward to it with uh, hopefully a, a, a good test day in between. What made the difference? Uh, in recent uh, race meetings, uh, the team was struggling, but uh, as you said, you're in the top ten on Saturday here, uh, it's quite a, a leap up. Yeah, you know, we've made gains, but we're not going to sort of, uh, you know, count our chickens before they hatch, so to speak. We're going to, you know, each racetrack's different on their different merits. Um, you know, we've been in the top ten shootout here. I've been in the top ten shootout here every year since it started. So, you know, obviously able to sort of... Um, pick the thing up by the scruff of the neck if it's not right and still get it around which is good but um, uh, you know we're just trying to do the little things better um, trying to really uh, I guess you know, r- rather than try to find something big that is probably not really wrong um, we're just trying to get all the little things right and you know all those things make a big difference at the end of the day At the beginning of the year was a bit of a step up jumping to a, a four car team do you think some of that workload is what um, slowed the team down in the early rounds? I wouldn't say it slowed it down, but we were, we were short-staffed as well. We were short-staffed at the start of the year with engineers, etc. So, um, And, you know, when you're starting off the back foot like that, it's hard to catch up. You know, we're still short-staffed in some of the engineers' areas, and, and uh, but, you know, we're making do at the moment and um, getting better and better. We've, we've got enough of what we need, but we need, you know, ideally we'd need one more to really oversee... Uh, help John oversee everything but you know all in all it's it's been tough you know like to go from sort of 28 odd staff to 65 is, is, is pretty tough you know and standing out here in the back of the pits and you've got four cars behind us you've got three B double transporters here plus a merchandise transporter so we've got four trucks on the road every weekend and uh, you know it's a massive operation to, to do so um, you know obviously it was always going to have a bit of a teething process and um, you know having said that the business side of things is going really good now we've you know concentrated on really getting and that's that's probably sacrificed a little bit of race pace because we haven't probably been sacri- uh, been looking at the the engineering side of things as much because if we haven't got a successful business we haven't got race cars to engineer so now that the business is pretty much settled and um, you know we're happy with the progress of the business and the business plan that we got for the next five years, now we can just sit back and uh, you know work on making the cars go fast. So the the economics of four cars with a shared infrastructure just stacks up so much better. Oh, absolutely, yeah, for sure. You know, as long as you've got the good support and sponsors like we've got, um, it does. You know, obviously it's not going to work if you've got no sponsors to support at all. But uh, really, um, you know, it, it makes it better. We got. You know, another two drivers in the team to share data with, to bounce ideas off, and it really does help, I guess, leapfrog 
you know, in, in leaps and bounds, the problems and, and solutions that we need to make with uh, any dramas and that we have. So, uh, you know, ideally, you know, I'd like to keep it this way next year. You know, there's a good chance that we will, and um, you know, we'll hopefully start off the uh, you know car of the future year, um, you know, on the front foot and right up the front. And uh, the, the involvement of Paul Morris seems like an interesting one. Uh, in, in Sunday's race, he. Uh, uh, had had some impact with his. Uh, well, I understand it was his uh, strategy of using the tyres. Yep. Uh, how involved does he get in the in the team? Oh, he does. He gets involved, and you know, Paul. Everybody just sees Paul as a bit of a lunatic, you know. And uh, uh, I've known Paul for a lot of years, and I've raced against him for a lot of years, and I've never have had a drama racing against him. You know, we've got a really good mutual respect and friendship for each other. You know, he's a, he's a he's a top bloke. He's actually a very smart businessman. Um, contrary to what everybody thinks he sits down and he reads the rules and he goes through all the rule books and hence the rule that he come with up with on Saturday and uh, you know there's not too many people out there um, that are as smart as Paul especially when it comes to the strategy and the rule side of things um, you know probably on, on par with uh, with my old man with strategy you know with them two together um, you know it's great it's great to have them they've got a lot of experience and two different ways of thinking as well obviously Paul's not young but he's not old either you know dad's been th- been there and done it all and to get their two ideas and bounce bounce ideas off each other, you know, it's really good to see and it works well. I think you're right. Uh, often his strategies are cheeky, but I, I can't recall the last time where it was actually illegal or wrong. No, it's not. And, you know, he is within the rule book 100%, you know. He's not a cheater. He never has been a cheater. Um, he just, you know, it's like everybody. They explore the grey areas. And, uh, you know, that's what every team up and down pit lane do, whether they admit it or not. They do, and generally the ones that are winning the races are at the front explore the grey areas the most, if you ask me. But, uh, um, you know, it's just all about interpretation of the rules. As long as you, uh, you know, you study the rules and you know exactly what you can and can't do, then you can obviously um, improvise with certain things. And Paul did that on Saturday to good effect. One of the things that's always been good with Dick Johnson Racing over the years is the the, the team spirit in some respects. It's the, the little team that could. And... Uh, it goes all the way to, you know, you're one of the bosses, obviously. Uh, I interrupted you packing up. You're quite hands-on with the day-to-day and all of that. Yeah, well, you know, these guys work bloody hard for us. And, uh, yeah, sure, we've done a, you know, 200k race today. But, uh, you know, just to, to help pack up and uh, give the boys a hand with pushing trolleys into the truck and tie them in and that sort of stuff, it just goes a long way and, um, you know, saves them a little bit of time. And the quicker we can get them out of here and onto the plane home the better so um, yeah you know my job isn't finished when I get out of the car it's uh, it continues 24-7 and um, you know that's the only way you get respect from these guys is to work like that with them my thanks to Ben Norton and Stephen Johnson there also to Andrew Clark and Jacob Black as the checkered flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders till next time round keep smiling and bye for now join us next week for more V8 Insiders only on v8x.com.au